This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. On C103. And a very good Wednesday morning to you. Hoping we're finding you all smiling and in good form this morning. John Paul is back along with Sadie taking your calls today at 1850-333-103. We welcome your calls and comments throughout the morning. You can text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And let me start with a, a piece from the paper that certainly made me smile this morning when I was going through the papers. And the Irish Examiner has a gorgeous, gorgeous photograph of... Daniel O'Sullivan from uh, Cork and he is surrounded by birthday cards. This is the little boy that we spoke about last week when we uh, spoke with his mum who joined us on the programme to talk about her really, really special little boy who is awaiting a double lung uh, transplant. He'll celebrate his 10th birthday on the 24th of June. So in a couple of weeks time can't have the traditional birthday party that they were really, really hoping to have. So instead, Deirdre, his mum decided to try and do something just to make his 10th birthday, reaching double figures. It's an, it's an important birthday for a very special little boy and she wanted to do something so that he'd always remember his 10th birthday. So she came up with this idea. How about if I asked the general public to send birthday cards uh, to him. Uh, so we invited her onto the programme. We had a chat with us, with chat with her. She told us all about what had happened to Daniel. It was after he was born. He was just really, really unlucky to pick up, coincidentally, when we're, what we're going through with the coronavirus. But he picked up a very rare virus that attacked his lungs and he ended up having to go to Sweden and he was on this special machine in uh, Sweden for over 50 days. Then he came back and he was in Crumlin Children's uh, Hospital uh, and he now is permanently on oxygen and he carries a little oxygen tank and I say little it can be quite heavy at times but he's a he's a stoic little boy for sure he'll strap the oxygen tank onto his back and he carries it around he's just a terrific uh, little boy and obviously he's missing out on school now because he's out of school and he's missing all his schoolmates and he can't have his 10th birthday and for a little boy who is suffering from a serious serious lung condition you can just imagine what COVID-19 and the concern around COVID-19 uh, is doing to Daniel and Daniel's uh, family I mean the whole family are cocooning to keep Daniel safe so this is just a nice little thing that people can do just to Go out and get a birthday card and send it to young Daniel. And if and I know since we did the interview 
with uh, Deirdre. I think there isn't a day has gone by that we haven't had a text or a phone call in saying, could you give us that address again? Want to send a card? And I know families listening to us that have got children are getting the children to write the cards, which I think is a lovely uh, thought as well. So if you want to send a card, we want to get them in in plenty of time. So for the 24th of June, where are we at today? The 10th of June. So for two weeks, exactly two weeks uh, today will be his birthday. So it's Daniel O'Sullivan is his name and it's 22 Meadow Green, the Meadows, Holly Hill. So it's an easy enough address. 22 Meadow Green, the Meadows, Holly Hill. And as I say, you can see a picture of Daniel and what a handsome young boy he is. And there's a lovely story inside then. Olivia Kelleher picking up on, on my interview with Deirdre uh, inside in page two and a lovely family photograph of Daniel along with his mum Deirdre, dad Vincent his big brother Sean and his little sister uh, Mia it's uh, it's just one of those nice things that we can all do during the middle of this crazy crazy world in which we are living and I promise we will check in uh, by the way when we when we contacted Deirdre yesterday uh, Bernie Ranger and I think they're up to about 200 cards so let's see if we can get it even higher than that be great if you got hundreds upon hundreds of cards so two weeks left to go so please bear that in mind and send young Daniel a birthday card so nice to start off the programme with a good news story and another good news story making the papers uh, again today and I saw this on social media yesterday and it was it actually made me smile because uh, it is certainly good news for the county when it comes to our wonderful seasides and marinas uh, Cork received 24 Four awards in the Blue Flag and the Green Coast Awards for 2020. Eight Blue Flag beaches, two Blue Flag marinas and 14 Green Coast sites, which means uh, we are the we have the largest number of awarded sites under this Blue Flag programme for the whole of the country we have the most best run beaches and marinas there was 90 blue flag awards in uh, total but Cork as I say we have come out on on top with 24 awards the blue flag it's one of the world's most recognised eco labels and this year Ireland improved on last year's total by two Ireland is one of 49 countries that operate the blue flag programme and globally more than 4,400 beaches marinas and boating tourism operators will be awarded in 45 countries this year. The beaches and the marinas that earn the Blue Flag Awards, they must maintain standards in relation to water quality, information provision, environmental education, safety and site management. And certainly there was some some good news for Yall Clay Castle in County Cork because they have regained their blue flag, which is the, for the first time since 2011. And every year uh, when we would be announcing the blue flags since 2011, there was huge disappointment in Yall that they had lost their blue flag and they were doing everything possible to regain it. So certainly a bit of good news there for Yall as well. So congratulations to everybody involved in that but certainly it's a good news story and there's lovely photographs in the the papers today of various beaches including one that just almost took my breath away wonderful Inchidani Beach it's a great expanse photograph of Inchidani Beach who, who yet again have retained their blue flag as status and it's just it looks like a female one person had the beach all to herself when this photograph was taken it really is uh, stunning so as I say good to start the programme with good news stories now there is a call to send every household in the country 
a bundle of reusable face masks to, in the hope that we would reduce COVID-19 uh, transmission. And it seems this suggestion that was raised by a Labour uh, TD has been supported by Dr Gillian de Gascoigne, who is the chair of the government's expert advisory group on coronavirus. And there's been much discussion and much debate about the wearing of face masks. And certainly whenever we discuss it here on the programme, we'll probably get a 50-50 split on people who feel absolutely 100% everyone when they're out in public should be wearing a face mask. And then we will get other people saying, no, it's optional. It's right that it's optional. There's various studies out there saying and wondering, are they a good thing? Are they a bad are they a bad thing? World Health Organisation are now coming out advising, but they're not making it. We haven't made it mandatory in this country. And anyway, it came up yesterday uh, it, at the Special Committee on COVID-19 and it was the Labour TD, Duncan Smith, uh, suggested that the every household in the country would get a box or a bundle of these masks. And he went back to to 2002 and said, we did something similar in 2002. What did the government do in 2002? In 2002, the government distributed iodine tablets. Remember the former Fianna Fáil Energy Minister, Joe Jacob, and that interview that he did with Marion Finucane, Lord Tamerciener, was just one of those car crash moments on radio where the whole country, I think, uh, eventually got to hear that interview at some stage. If the people weren't listening to it live, it certainly did the rounds. Everyone got to hear it. And I know after Marion Finucane passed away, it was one of the memories when people were talking about what would they remember of Marion Finucane. That interview with Joe Jacobs certainly got... It got mentioned she used to be on at nine o'clock in the morning and those that she did an hour long programme remember at one stage before they shifted her to weekends anyway uh, so it was at the time in 2002 every single house in the country got iodine tablets and it was in the event that there would be a major nuclear disaster or an accident and Sellafield and the there was a lot of talk about Sellafield at the time and we all got the packet of iodine tablets which can I say and I wonder how many more can put their hand up and say the same as me I still have those iodine tablets they're in the back of a particular cupboard in my kitchen and you know every now and again when you do the clear out of the cupboards and every time I clear it out I look at those packets of iodine tablets and say God will I dump them or will I keep them and because they're out of date they went out of date I think within 10 years they were out of date so probably by 2012 they were out of date and then after they went out of date there was we we did interviews about the out of date iodine tablets and what would we do with them and we were told at the time by experts that they were still okay even though they were out of date the uh, iodine value in them would be fine and if in the event of a nuclear accident we would still be able to rush to our cupboards and pull out our iodine tablets and we'd be able to take them even though they were out of date. Now I don't know I'll need to pull them out of the cupboard again and see what the sell by date on them is now because it's coming up to nearly 20 years ago since they were distributed to every household in the country so it would be interesting let me know by the way send me in a text if uh, or give us a call and let me know if you still have those iodine tablets do you know where they are because that's the big one in the event of a nuclear accident it was going to be where should we put those iodine tablets because it is one of those things like me they're at the back of a cupboard in a kitchen and it's only when I clean out the cupboard that I remember that that's where the iodine tablets uh, are and they're in my mind now because it was only recently I think at the start of lockdown I spent an afternoon deciding I was going to be the domestic goddess during lockdown didn't last long but I cleared 
cleared out cupboards in the kitchen and it was, that was one of the cupboards I cleaned, cleaned out and I found the iodine tablets again. Anyway, do you still have your iodine tablets? And uh, if so, do you know exactly where they are if you were to put your hand on it? Anyway, I digress. It got mentioned yesterday because of this idea that everybody in the country would get a bundle of face masks. Now, Dr Gillian de Gascoigne said he thought it was a very good suggestion, but he said... If we do decide to go down that route, then what we're now going to have to do is to scale up manufacturing of the masks if we were to set aside a bundle of them for every single household. Now, at the moment, you can buy them and people are buying them and you can see when you're out and about, people are wearing masks. It's probably, is it, I wouldn't say there's 50% of people wear, wear, wearing masks. I don't know what the percentage of people. Every time I go out, I look to try and work out, can I work out how many people are wearing masks? I certainly am noticing more people wearing masks than, say, a month ago. And I've also spotted them for sale. You can buy them now. Most supermarkets are selling them. They work out at about a tenner for 10. You might get them a little bit cheaper in some other supermarkets, but it's around a tenner uh, for 10. And then a medical grade mask, which the World Health Organization has said people over 60 who have an underlying health condition should wear. They work out at €130 Euro for a pack of uh, 20. The World Health Organization's revised advice is now to be reviewed by the National Public Health Emergency Team. But the latest advice from the World Health Organization that's going to be reviewed by NEFIT, they are suggesting, and they wanted to make it mandatory, that people over the age of 60 when they go out anywhere in public, that they should wear a mask. Now, I don't know how well that is going to go down with people over the age of 60. For some people, they mightn't like anyone else to know that they are 60, for example. So I wonder how people would feel if they decided to introduce this, that it was mandatory. If you're going to leave your house and you are 60 or older, you must wear a mask. How would people feel about that? Yeah, I'd be interested in your thoughts and comments on that. Now, Dr Gillian de Gascoigne at the Dáil meeting yesterday on COVID-19 did say the evidence around how effective cloth masks are, these are the homemade ones, he said the evidence around those is not fantastic. He said face masks or cloths should only be seen as an add-on to physical distancing, hand washing and respiratory etiquette. He said there is good evidence that the medical grade face masks work but in healthcare settings, because he said they act as a barrier in the case where a person coughs or sneezes and this is a person who actually has uh, the virus, but it isn't shown that the virus is, is not transmitted by wearing or not wearing a mask. But he said there is good evidence, but they're on the medical grade ones. And I know whenever there is a discussion say with Leo Varadkar or the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, or indeed anyone from, from Neffert, Dr Dillian de Gascoigne or uh, Dr Tony Houlihan. And when we talk about masks, there's always been that fear factor that people will rush out and start buying the medical grade ones. And then what will happen is there will be a shortness, short, they will run out. The, the, the supply won't meet the demand. And what will happen then, hospitals who will need these medical grade masks won't be able to get them. And there's always been that fear factor. So I think Gillian de Gascoigne is right. If the government do decide to go down this route and if they do take up the suggestion by the Labour TD, Duncan Smith, and they do decide to offer every household a free bundle of reusable masks, 
then Dr. Gillian de Gascoigne is right. They're going to have to scale up the manufacturing of the masks and make sure they have enough of these masks in before they start handing them out to everyone. But then, of course, the obvious one, you'll hear people say then, but what happens when you run out of the masks? But there is a problem at the moment that there are some people who simply can't afford even, you know, a, a 10 euro for 10 masks. is, exp- And they're the disposable ones. They're meant to be one use. So you get 10 trips for your tenner and then they're gone. Not everybody can afford to be buying them. And, and what happens then if you don't have reusable ones and you don't have the washable ones and if Gillian de Gascoigne says the evidence are that they're not fantastic. There's just such, so much confusing information I think coming in around uh, the masks but we wait and see with the World Health Organisation saying that people over 60 should wear them when they're out in public whenever they leave uh, the house and the National Public Health Emergency Team saying okay time for us now to review the World Health Organisation and their recommendations and remember the the World Health Organization have also were the ones who recommended the one meter rather than the two meters, and and that's very much up for discussion because it's been pushed by the hotel and hospitality sector. Because we even Barry has it on the news this morning, a lot of restaurants simply will not open if they're forced to stick with the two meter rule. World Health Organization saying a meter is okay. So Neffert are going to look at all the new guidelines from the World Health Organization, and they've always said they've been led by the World Health Organization. So they may come out and decide and they may suggest that in this country everybody over the age of 60 if you go out in public no matter where you're going whether it's out for a walk to the supermarket to the credit union to the post office wherever you are uh, you may be forced to wear a mask if you are 60 or over 1850 John, John Paul and Sadie taking your calls uh, this morning text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Sorry of texts and calls about iodine tablets, including our own Tim Lynch, um, our reporter in Kanturk. Uh, good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, Sir Patricia. Uh, you still have your iodine tablets? I, I have indeed, and I've, I've <laughs> always seen it, and, and I never looked at dates or anything, but when you spoke about it, I just went to curiosity to know if I'll in it, them out, like, but I put my hand in it straight away. And the expiry date? The expiry date was uh, March 05. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're ready. We're ready for a nuclear event anyway. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to keep the box now. I'm going to keep because uh, when I look at it here, it says um, potassium iodide tablets uh, uh, contain six tablets for emergency use only in the event of a nuclear accident. And uh, on, at the bottom of the box, then there's um, a crest from the Department of Health and Children. So, <laughs> and it was it was Joe Jacobs was yeah. the, the the Fianna Fáil minister at the time, and we all and actually it's interesting because I I remember them being sent out, and actually somebody has sent in a text uh, saying Patricia they weren't sent out to every household because we, we Eileen and Mallow said they never got them at the time. Eileen, don't worry because anyone that did get them they're out of date. <laughs> um, so uh, so obviously there were some households missed out on it. Well, I thought and. Uh well, if it's bound to happen, like, you know, that uh, even, even that they're talking about the mass now, there will be people that won't ever get them if they will, uh, if they'll do it, because it, it, this thing just happens, I suppose, addresses go astray as yeah. well. Yeah, but it was the same with the leaflets. Do you remember the leaflets at the start? We were constantly getting people saying they never got the leaflets talking about coronavirus. And and then I, and then I realised we didn't get one into our house either. I got the Irish version then a couple of weeks later, but I never got the English one. So, yes. yeah, things go... 
Um, not, not every address is, is going to get it but the um, but do you think the masks is a good idea if, if they come up with the idea of giving every household but free masks see I, I have an awful fear you see that what you were saying earlier on about some people that won't do it and some will and I, I'm just wondering about the cost of the whole thing if 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 a quarter of the people or anything like that refuses to to wear them how much money will be wasted in that and maybe it, it should be left up to the people Right, maybe they can. There should be some place where they can get them if they really want to get them. But I don't know. But send them out to every house because it's like this tablet that we're ready for a nuclear uh, uh, war here, and uh, we don't know about the, the, the coronavirus because they gave great instructions. You see, for uh, on the back of the box, it says for emergency use only, and in the absence of other directions for use, the, the following uh, are the single dose recommendations for uh, age groups up to one month. A quarter of a tablet. I don't know how you're getting get a quarter of a tablet into one month old. One month, one, one month to three years was a half a tablet. Three years to twelve years then was one tablet, and adults was two tablets. And the tablet should be taken with plenty of water. And, the and wa- there were six six tablets. Was six, it six in the box? Six in the box. Okay. So, and the warning was: do not exceed the recommended dose. <laughs> <laughs> and did you when you heard me mention it did you know exactly where your eye and tablets were I did I, I, I knew where they should be like I see that Eileen had been like you tidy out tidy out the, yeah. the cupboard she might she might have thrown them out as well because I'm, I'm often lucky that way that I could be gone as well when Eileen <laughs> starts clearing and I've just been I've just discovered that the the 2002 batch which is what you're talking about there was 14.2 million tablets were sent out and at the time they cost 630,000 euros oh no it was euros we were in euros so it was over nearly three quarters of a million was what it cost at the time and then they expired in in 2005 and then in 2015 uh, people started discovering their out of date iodine tablets and the department said that they were not going to be replaced as the threat of a nuclear meltdown had receded and taking them wouldn't do anything anyway they turned out after us there you go there you go so we can put them in the bin or do you know something I think keep them because I think future generations are going to open up cupboards and find these iodine tablets and it'll be in the history books and they're going to be they're going to be worth the fortune they will they will hang on to them listen you stay safe uh, Tim Patricia you too and thanks I think we should we should follow the directions that are given yeah. and use our common sense that's on, it. on the mask. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. Well, you and stay take, take care. Bye take bye. care. That's bye. our own Tim Lynch uh, joining us from Cantor. And thank you to a lot of other people. It turns out they still have their packet of iodine tablets. They're well out of date packet of iodine tablets. But we'll keep an eye on this suggestion from the Labour Party, from the Labour TD, Duncan Smith, that like those iodine tablets, every household would receive a free pack of um, uh, free bundle of he's suggesting actually a um, reusable fa- a bundle of reusable face masks is what he's, he's uh, suggesting not the medical grade ones 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your course text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 Now a local rural development organisation has been helping hundreds of cocooners and vulnerable people during the COVID-19 crisis it's calling on the new government to change the way it deals with ageing and is suggesting they appoint a minister for older people Maura Walsh is Chief Executive of IRD Dohalo and Maura joins me Good morning to you Maura 
Good morning, Patricia. And you, you're welcome to the programme. What, Thank you very what much. lessons do you believe we can learn from this pandemic when it comes to care of the elderly? I think the first lesson that came very clearly from, from the people that we're dealing with is that they want to stay longer in their own homes. They need to be in independent living and supported in that independent living. And we believe there are probably two or three phases to that. It shouldn't be straight from their own house into a nursing home. There there are things in between that communities can and do do that would help uh, older people stay independent and stay in their own homes for longer. And you're talking about things like sheltered accommodation? Yes, sheltered housing is one of the, 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 the next phases, let's say. So let's say when somebody's in their own home, and often our older people are caring for other older people as well. It's not just themselves mm-hmm. in a lot of situations. And then maybe if the, one of the old people needs to maybe get into a, a nursing home or whatever, the other person feels very vulnerable on their own. So yeah, and lo- loneliness can be a dreadful, dreadful thing. Um, loneliness uh, more. is massive. Yeah, and, and people want to abandoned. people want to remain living in the area that they've spent most, if not all, of their lives. I mean, you would be dealing with people who would have been born and raised absolutely in the area that they're now absolutely. living, and they're elderly now, but they they've never moved from that area. Absolutely, they, they, they that is what they want. They don't somebody you know that lived out in Milan that. They're getting a sheltered house in in Middleton, or you know, yeah. they, they need to be where they where they can go downtown, meet their neighbours, go to the same mass, maybe that they always went to meet the people at mass, and be supported in that. Because, and I think one of the big distinctions that we're trying to make is that there is a big difference between sheltered housing and social housing. Okay. And I know some people put up the argument that you need a mix of people, old people, young people, teenagers. But, but at that stage of their lives, they really don't need ball playing. <laughs> they don't need people hanging out. And, you know, yeah. they need to be safe with others. Yeah, and they, they, they need to feel safe. They need, they need their yes. own independence. They need their yes. own little front door. But they yes. need to feel safe that if I need to call someone or I need something, yes. that somebody is going to be available to me. That's Yes, absolutely. And yeah. they need that there is a front gate, you know, that can be closed at night or yeah. whatever, and that they are safe within that. And there are lovely examples. I mean, with the Canada O'Donovan Centre in Mill Street would be an excellent example. I've seen lovely ones down in, in Midcork that are done with a, the, the porch in the front of the house has glass, you know, it's like a, a mini, tiny little concept. It's yeah. glass around. So if you come out and sit in that porch, you can look to the porches in the other house, <laughs> the other four houses. Yeah. So like if you wave down at someone and beckon, to, it's a thing, come up and talk to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that you're not going to knock on the doors. It's not, you know, a behind closed doors thing. So, but every area needs every area needs housing, and because of the nature of the age of the people that go into them, they'll pass on, and then somebody else can move in. Absolutely, and it's, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that's why you know the rule at the moment is that they have to be on the social housing list. I think that's very harsh. A lot of people to tell them, "Oh, you have to go onto the social housing list." They're afraid of their life that they'll be put into, you know, some place in the you know, housing a big housing station, a town that they know nobody in and all this. And 
you know, rather than that, if if you could get a list of people that wanted to downsize from their own houses or just move into a more central location, uh, somewhere within walking distance of their post office, church, what have you, um, somewhere where, you know, with new technology, I've seen fantastic technology. Jack Roach, who heads up our C network, went up to, I think it was the, the IT in, in Dundalk, they have fantastic models of, you know, if somebody puts their foot out on the mat, the mat and if it doesn't move off it, you know, there's an alarm. Yeah. Somebody knows they're either on the floor or, you know, stuck they on the bed help. or whatever. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The same, you know, the whole, like, it's not spying on them, but at the same time, you know when help is needed, you know. So, so that's one. But even before that, um, one of the big things that and we're hearing, you know, that it's important with low carbon emissions and blood that we need to insulate, retrofit all houses. But I would say, look, prioritise the elderly's houses because a bigger part of their pension is going on turf, coal, wood for their fires because they're mainly solid fuel, lucky if they have a range or an open fire. And, you know, the ones that got their attics insulated in the past are not eligible to get their walls or windows or anything else done. The new, the ones that didn't get anything done in the past can get all that in a new package. So I said, look, go back, go back to those poor people that got their attics done and do the walls and, you know, get out that dampness, get out that coldness and replace their open fires in their ranges which you know the the, the air to water or whatever I, I, I'm not even sure what the technology the, the current technology is in it but you know that can be done and there but is you see doesn't a lot of this more go back to um, regional responses you you and, and your team at Ayurveda Hollow know all of the people you know the needs yes and yet you're you're tied up with red tape and because Kitty had her attic insulated, mm-hmm. well, no, we can't mm-hmm. wait for Kitty now, unfortunately. No, exactly. Whereas you know the difference that would make to Kitty if you could get in and, and insulate the walls. It could keep her living in that yeah. house for another, even even if it was a year. But because the computer the says the no. Because the computer says no, because they say they'll get more carbon credits or whatever it is if they do a house that had nothing done to it. Yeah. I would say, look, go back, we can do that. And like, we're only, we're one of party groups nationally between urban and rural that could do this in a heartbeat. And it's... So that's why I'm saying that you need the... See, if you're looking at, uh, you know, energy and natural resources, you know, they're looking at it purely from an energy and natural resources prism or glasses. You know, the Department of Health looks at it only, you know, how sick are they and blah. You know, they're all looking at it from their own silo. Whereas I'm seeing somebody that would look at the elderly, there's a huge cohort of our population and is growing. Mm. But look at it, that, that look across all of those tall silos and say, look, we need to get the the energy efficiency um, tweaked so that we'll solve and serve this population. It's what's best for for the person. And we all know and the government know and every department in the government knows it is more cost effective to keep a person living independently at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, while I'm saying it for, for elderly people, I think 
you know, and without complicating it, we could include some people that you know that don't have to be over sixty-five. Some people that are maybe younger, but maybe through mental health issues or you know whatever, would fit into that vulnerable bracket yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, so I really do think, and I mean, the rural meal service we've proved it over and over again. And actually, after the article in the Examiner, a, a girl in Cork in East Cork and Liam Lara emailed me and said, um, you know, read your article, blah blah all complimentary and then said do you know that um, I'm aware of the WHO has um, a charter for, for older people and a lot of what you're saying is ticking the boxes so I have resolved anyway since I read that list that mm. I must look up the WHO charter that maybe we're not as far out as we, yeah. as we think we are yeah. looking for this um, the other and, thing then, and then the, uh, the the suggestion that I, I put in my introduction that you made a minister for older people. Now we know I we've had so. a junior minister for older yes. people, yes. and that was uh, Jim Daly, who's you know been doing the best he could, but he's got mental health uh, under his remit as well. I think uh, I mean his remit is huge for huge, for a junior minister. You 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 would say a senior minister at cabinet. I think so. I absolutely yeah. think so because you know we've had you know we've had ministers for youth and children. I think you know we have probably as much if not more and heading that way and if you Older take the rural people. areas absolutely yeah. and if you take the rural areas like I know from the census the last time we did an examination of the census like while nationally it would be something like maybe 13-14% of a population would be in the elderly bracket we were up at 18-19% we are always 5 or 6 percentage points which is a third we'd be a third higher 33% higher than the country or even the county at large and that would be the same for all if you take a line from Derry down to Cork City and go west of that it would be the same for every part of that yeah, uh, Michael O'Sullivan in, in Castletown Bear saying great to hear Maura on the programme this morning. I'd like to ask Maura, uh, should face masks be made available to older people over the age of 66 on their medical Absolutely. card? It would give them a bit of medical security. Absolutely. And, you know, they don't have to be the the, the ones that the surgeons are using. You know, they don't have to be surgical masks. Yeah. That are, you know, they have to have different. I, what I would say is that the washable masks that they can put on when they're going out the door, when they're, you know, it, it, it's just an extra sense if they're going to the post office, if they're meeting someone, it is protection. Uh, it doesn't have to be, and I, I've read that even in this morning's uh, report, it doesn't have, even a double layer cotton mask will keep whatever you have in, and it certainly will pre- prevent any of the the, the upfront <laughs> stuff coming. Droplets coming, coming at you, yeah. So if you want, like... People are very worried at this stage. Like they're probably un, unreasonably worried, if, if I can say that. They're more worried than they should be. Older people, yeah. having been locked down, now they can go out. They're still afraid to go out. We got our report again last night from the friendly phone calls at our meeting here, and one of the points that was made was that one person was saying, I, "I'm afraid to drive my car. I haven't driven my car for." 13 weeks and I'm afraid now to drive it again so you know small practical and I could well imagine I know when I come back from holidays if I was only gone for 2-3 weeks and come we go on holidays of course Marta's all the driving I sit in the passenger seat and then when we come home and I sit into my own car and I'm like you know and that's, only after, and that's only after a couple of weeks I know we, ha- we had a road safety yeah. officer on on Monday addressing that issue and, and mm. he made the point go out short little journeys every day you'll gain your confidence Absolutely. back but Even there are the yard. But there are, you, you're right, there are people 
because we and we've been getting calls in since Monday from older people who ventured out and just very nervous about it, nervous very. in the supermarket. Yeah. And that the mask one, funny enough, keeps coming up. Elderly people, yeah. I think, feel more confident. And exactly. and they would prefer if everybody was wearing masks. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I would have no problem with that. I would have no problem. I'm seeing it here our our revamp people here in Joala that normally do the furniture and that's for older people in low income households. They've turned their hands to making masks and we got fantastic support from community groups as well that, you know, stitch in time and all these little communities that we would have supported, um, that are helping us right from Dunamore back to, to Cullen and up to Boherby um, and Glosh even. But we, we're making those masks for people. But what I would say is, even if you have just the two layers, and what I'm suggesting is to the lads, I hope they've been taken up on it, do them in nice colours. So that if you are going to a wedding and you have yeah, a pink, a, a Nancy Pelosi, you know, I saw a lovely picture of her, a lovely yeah, pink. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? I did, yeah. You know, I did, yeah. And I said, yeah. if they were like that, that there wouldn't be something, like that's what I'm saying about the surgical masks, like nobody wants to go around looking like a gynecologist. Yeah, you know, hello. yeah. You, you need to, and once for men, like the, we don't need pink flowers for, for the men's masks. You could make, and the, 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 our people in Revamp made lovely ones. I think we give some to the mayor. They look like a lovely green tie with you know kind of the kind of paisley design in it yeah and i think they would definitely take off and i think people would would wear would them, wear them more mm-hmm. okay great interview with maura says uh, a listener local governance is what's needed and a minister for the elderly ird have local knowledge and regional representation throughout to hollow governance from dublin has failed the rural population and the elderly especially in rural ireland uh, thank you for reading out uh, my message there is always that thing about du- making decisions out of dublin they don't know what it's like on the ground and that's where groups uh, like your good self uh, maura comes in this you mentioned the friendly phone uh, service. Yeah. Your meal delivery service, I believe, has yeah. doubled during the crisis. More, more than doubled at this stage. More than doubled, which is great. I mean, we we were able to to redeploy people that we would normally have in the Warbur homes. So all those lads up in Warbur homes are delivering meals, and some some of them are making the meals as well, and inside the the production areas. But um, it's it's brilliant, and I do I honestly do think that in the long term, every part of rural Ireland should have. And and it's a regional, you know, I mean, the nuns did this in the past. I will always say it and I will always give them credit. Wherever you had a convent, in any town you had a convent, you had a Meals on Wheels. That convent model isn't there anymore, unfortunately. And I think, you know, it's up to the community enterprise, which this is all part of government policy, that they improve community enterprise, which is what we would be called. Whereby, you know, at a local level, you, you can't have every village with a kitted out kitchen with people that are food hygiene trained and are taking temperature controls and HACCP and all that. That's a, that's a big step. But I think there's a step down. What we do and what we like to do is that one day a week, the meal is delivered in bulk, let's say, rather than doing 10 meals up in Rock Chapel, we would bring tin portions or even more in, in bulk and the local community then organise their day so it's like a social day and they have a bit of bingo they might have a bit of music a bit of singing and the meal is served up by the local volunteers and I think that's very doable mm. you know that's that's not too big an ask in a small community yeah. to ask them to go and prepare we're, and deliver every day We're, we're back again it's common sense this isn't rocket science uh, no. Maura it's always a pleasure to talk to you thank Thanks you for that Ellen, stay safe to everybody in Ayrdu de Hollow and we'll chat so far, again so good we've had no case thank you to God fantastic 
fantastic. Thank you very Keep much. it going. Bye bye. That is uh, Maura Walsh, Chief Executive of IRD Dohalo. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And thank you for somebody who correctly pointed out when I was talking about Dr. Killian de Gascoigne. It's Killian de Gascoigne, not Gillian. My apologies. It is, of course, Killian de Gascoigne. Uh, Killian is a boy's name, Gillian's a girl's name. Uh, so I'm only too happy to uh, to point that out. Uh, and I'm backed up on ads. Uh, my apologies, but I think Maura Walsh is always just such a great uh, interview from Maya Dudahalo. She's just make such common sense. It's just, it's practical. It's on the ground. She's seeing what's on the ground and she's seeing uh, what is uh, needed. She just, it always just makes uh, so much sense and we always get a, a big, big reaction uh, whenever we have have her on. So thank you once again to uh, Maura. And Mary said, there's nothing wrong with washable cotton scarves. I wear a scarf around my face all the time when I'm going out, says uh, Mary. Yeah, and I think the thing, what they suggest, if you are wearing it, you know, any kind of a washable mask. It's when you take it home. It's how you take it off. You carefully take it off, making sure that when you're touching the front of it, that you don't then wash your hands straight away. Don't make sure that your hands don't end up in your mouth, your nose, your eyes, uh, in case something had landed on your scarf. But yeah, keeping it clean, nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, Mary, I think a lot of people are going who want to wear masks and don't want to go out to the expense of buying it are certainly going down that route as well. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Woman has been on to us uh, to say that a in Cork City yesterday a lady lost a watch while out shopping. It was somewhere between the GPO and Dunn Stores on Patrick Street and Merchants Quay, somewhere in that general area, so the city centre area, if anybody found a lady's watch yesterday. We've been asked to give it a mention, uh, give us a call, because uh, somebody would really love to get that watch back. 1850-333-103. Now, with phase two of the easing of restrictions underway, the public libraries across the country have started to open their doors since Monday. Now, to find out what services are on offer at your local library, I'm joined by Patricia Looney, who's Senior Executive Librarian with the Cork City Council Library Service. Good morning to you, Patricia. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you, you're very welcome to the programme. Now, you're open, you. you're open, but it's not business as usual. Can you just outline how people can get books? Yes, Patricia, our doors are open, but that's really where it, it starts <laughs> and ends. Um, our desks are now at the front doors of the libraries um, around the city. And um, people are encouraged to return their books. We have uh, um, over 77,000 items on loan at the moment. So we are anxious to get um, all of those back in before we we open up um, properly. Okay. And people can also ring in and um, order some books. Now, it will be by subject or by author rather, rather than by particular item because as so much of our stock is out, um, we can't really, you know, be so specific. Yeah. And we will bag the books for people, and they can collect them the next day. Okay, but um, you want, yeah. but if somebody's or if somebody wants a, a book, it's got to be by phone or email. By Is phone or email. By phone, that's by phone it. or email, exactly. and then yeah. next yeah. next day they can go and collect. Next day collection. That's it. But the bigger one at the moment is getting the returned books. Then these would have been people, I'm assuming, who had books taken out before lockdown. 
before lockdown exactly and we have um, screens at the at the front doors and boxes where people can just put the books in and then we will um, store the boxes for 72 hours there's a quarantine period before the staff will touch them and that will be going forward um, indefinitely until we get for, further um, guidance on that. Because some people are fearful that you could pick up the virus on the book. So exactly. good to know they're all going to be quarantined. So the books exactly. will be safe when people come in and, and pick them up. And do you have, have you audio books as well? We have audio books as well. We do. So any items, we have audio books and CDs and DVDs as Great. well. So all any items like that. So we're encouraging people to, to bring them back. Okay, And, obviously and there's been a steady flow across all our branches. Since has we there? Opened. Has there, yeah. There has. Yeah. We opened two on Monday and then the rest yesterday. So there ha- and people are delighted to um, see the doors open again. And, you know, we look forward to when we can provide more of a service because, you know, we're more about books and borrowing in the libraries nowadays. They're quite cultural centres and places that people come to use the public PCs, read magazines, do some research, study, uh, view exhibitions. So, you know... I suppose it will be the end of the year before we'll be getting back to um, any of the normality like that. So, I mean, when we do open for our phase, um, the next phase, we won't be having exhibitions or newspapers um, because we won't be encouraging people to browse for the moment. Yeah. So it's more come in and Get your choose books. your own books at least. You've yeah. gone on to that stage and then, you know, in a timely manner. Um, leave other people use the facilities as well. But so you reckon so, the um, end of the year before you're fully back up well, and running then? Well, uh, I suppose it will all depend on guidelines, really, Patricia, and how many the numbers of people that can come in and the numbers that can uh, partake in groups. I mean, we have so many groups in the library, from book clubs to writing um, groups to org- community organisations using. Um, using the facilities um, and the spaces. So really, we'll have to go by the, 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 the guidance. guidelines yeah. for that. Yeah. You know? And people have, we, people have missed the library. People have missed going to the library and bringing their children into the library. Absolutely, they really have. And I mean, we were delighted to be able to extend our housebound service during the times, that, the months that we were closed. Um, the housebound we, uh, is a service that we have in Cork City Libraries to people, to elderly people, mostly people confined to home. And we would always um, deliver books to them. But we found with um, with the lockdown and people cocooning, we extended that service. So um, that was hugely popular and people really um, appreciated um, uh, that. And I mean, in the city, we don't have a mobile service per se. We have a van and one driver. So it was Mm. that one van um, servicing went around um, all the extra people. So um, and that and, will know, continue. People appreciated it so much. Um, it will uh, continue now. Some of the people that um, joined have decided they can now. You know, they're out of cocooning and will go about their business themselves. And then we have a certain maybe a quarter of them that um, wish to stay on. Good, good, good. Well, yeah. well done. I know. And I that- suppose. Also, um, even though we were closed, our membership um, increased for the period. Did you it? Know, because it did because of our online services. We offer an amazing 
selection of online services and it wasn't really until you know the lockdown that um, there was a huge uptake on that. I mean we'd have an increase of over 14,000 on the e-books that were used during um, April and May and our um, press reader then which would be um, newspapers there was 457, over 457,000 articles viewed on that. So huge uptake on our that's, online that's services. That's brilliant, that's brilliant. You know, and, 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 and people because of that. And people, how do people become members? They just, can they do it online as well? No, at the moment, uh, yeah, you can do it online at the moment. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. people can do it and online. And you can use the online services that way. And then for the physical services you'll need the cards yeah but, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah okay or and and have you and the rest of the staff missed the public coming in we really have missed the public you know that is what we're all about and we're community spaces and spaces that you know we we know our regulars and um we've really missed them we've missed our groups mm. and um i suppose uh, a lot of the staff were redeployed at that time and have used their experience with dealing with people in the community through the libraries and um, were on contact tracing, friendly call, uh, community response. Um, and well in as well the um, the park rangers, social isolation rangers. So um, and you know during that time have met people that would have been members of the library and regulars, and um, they were delighted to to see each other. So um, you know we do miss the public definitely, and we look forward to the time when we're back to welcoming please, people. You please know, God it'll and be providing sooner. our service that we we know and love. Please God it'll be sooner rather than uh, than later. Listen, thanks a million for that. Stay safe, Patricia, and thank you for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Good morning Patricia, to bye you. Bye-bye. Bye Patricia bye. Looney there, Senior Executive Librarian with the Cork City Council Library Service and obviously the Cork County Council Library Service uh, all back up and running as well and operating a similar system. Contact them by your local library by phone, contact them by email and then you go in and collect uh, your books uh, when they are ready uh, for you. Talking of books, we had a lady in Castlecore uh, contacted us yesterday. She is in her 70s and she told us that she loves poetry. And she's wondering if there's anybody out there has any old poetry books. Now, she says poetry books from the 40s or 50s. I don't know if anybody has books that old that they'd be willing to pass on. But what she's particularly looking for are like the old school books that would have had poetry uh, in it. She likes the poetry that she remembers from her childhood, like the poetry that rhymes. Uh, she's not more. She's not into the more modern day poetry. It's kind of the older, more traditional poetry that would be exactly what would have been in the old school books. So she contacted us, and we said, "She will give a shout out, and we'll see." Uh, there's lots of people have been doing tidying and clearing up and clearing out during the lockdown and maybe you came across old books in a cupboard old school books in a cupboard are up in an attic and for years we kept all those school books wondering what the hell were we going to do with them so maybe you might have old English school books that would have poetry uh, in it uh, because this lady in Castlecore would love them if you'd be willing to pass them on and we have her name and her uh, telephone number. So a bit of a shout out there if anybody can help out that elderly lady looking for old poetry books. 
uh, give us a call if you would be willing to pass them on. 1850-333-103. And listen, if they're specialty and you just want to give them on loan, I'm sure she'd appreciate it and she could have it for a couple of weeks and then get them back to you. But ideally, if you had some that, you're, that you know you're not going to use, you know nobody else in the household is going to use and you were maybe going to pass them on anyway and have them recycled, here's a lovely way to re- recycle them uh, because this lady would absolutely get hours and hours of pleasure from them. So old poetry books, please if anyone can help us with that. And Joy was on to say she saw swallows for the first time this year down by the water this morning. And unfortunately, I've no more information than that, uh, Joy. I don't know where the water was or where you're contacting us from, but uh, swallows. Anybody else spotting swallows at the moment? Joy said she saw them for the first time today. And Noreen was on to say her mother has been suffering from double vision. She reckons it's been going on now for about a month and she's wondering, has anybody else noticed this? And would anyone have any tips on how Noreen can help her mother with the double vision? Noreen, as soon as I saw your call, I would suggest a trip to the opticians. I would be getting that checked. I mean, to have double vision that's lasting for a month, I really do think that needs to be checked. All the opticians now are back up and open and operating. It is strictly though by appointment only. You can't can't walk in. So I would, if your mother already has an optician, I would contact her optician. But if she hasn't been to the optician, maybe she's got great eyesight and hasn't been to the optician, just ring a local optician, make an appointment. I certainly would be, I wouldn't be ignoring a symptom like that. Not something that's going on that long, that's going on for a month now. And thank you to lots of people saying that they found their iodine tablets uh, in the cupboard, including Mary in West Cork. We gave Mary a laugh this morning because she said only the other day she picked up those iodine tablets and was about to throw them out. And she said, for some reason, she didn't. She put them back where she found them. And then lo and behold, she turns on the radio this morning and there we are talking about the iodine tablets. And Pat in from Oi wants to point out that the World Health Organisation are not recommending one metre distance for social distance. They're saying it's two metre with a minimum of one uh, metre. And you're absolutely correct. Um, my apologies if if I said that wrong earlier. They're saying one, they're, they're saying ideally two metres, but they would, one metre is okay but their recommendation would be to keep everybody safer is certainly for two uh, metres but there has been a big big push and other countries has gone to the, have gone to the one metres and some have gone to the 1.5 metres which just decides to confuse com- people completely Mary was on to say she had to go to her GP in Bandon this morning to have some bloods done. She is a medical card holder and normally she gets her bloods done and it's free. But this morning she was charged €30. Euro. She was quite shocked because she didn't know there was going to be a charge when she asked about it. They said the new charge came in since uh, Monday. She didn't hear anything about it. She thinks €30 euro is a lot of money, particularly if you have to get bloods done on a regular basis. She wants to know are other doctor practices, GP practices charging uh, the same. I'm assuming that was the, that was introduced. We've been discussing that actually, Mary, on the programme for certainly the last year I would say it came in in different GP practices and it's to do with the courier service to get the bloods to the labs to get the tests done it isn't the cost of the test it's the actual physically getting it to the labs 30 euros sounds a lot we have heard of 10 some GP practices charging 10 and 20 but maybe 30 has become the the new the new charge but no it's it's not it's new for your GP practice and can I say you're probably your GP practice is probably one of the last to introduce it because certainly we've been discussing it on this programme for at least a year 
uh, people started to, started to notice there was charges being introduced for the taking of uh, bloods. And someone says, you can tell Joy that swallows have been around for about a month. But for Joy, it was her first time seeing them this morning. But people said they haven't seen them for about a month. Now, morning, Patricia. I heard Leo Varadkar on a, an interview at a national radio station earlier this morning. Now, I haven't heard the interview, so I don't know what the particular reference is when, when this texter says, one wonders, does he ever miss an opportunity? So I don't know what the reference there is. But the, this comment is to do with uh, racism and, and racist comments. Comments have unfortunately have been made about people, whether it's about their ethnic, their economic status, what area they come from, their academic ability or their appearance. One doesn't have to be a specific colour for this to happen. As two white Irish people entering the US of A, we were greeted by a person of colour who sarcastically said, oh, here we go, two more mix on the Morrison visa. That was our welcome to the United States. Then when we returned to Ireland, our children were mocked for their accents and their American customs, even by teachers. So you don't need to be coloured to have racist remarks and people just need to simmer down a bit as it's all getting to be ridiculous. Uh, thanking you. Will you talk to anyone in this country from the travelling community and they'll tell you that it doesn't have to be about the colour of your skin uh, to have racist comments and um, for people to be be racist uh, towards you. 1850 on the wearing of masks. Uh, Tim says, I won't wear a dirty mask even, no matter what penalties they decide to bring in, if, whether they decide to go down the mandatory route, I will not wear a dirty mask. Nobody would ever ask you to wear a dirty mask, Tim. I think the whole idea is that it would be surgically clean mask that you would make, that you, you would wear. Uh, morning Patricia, I got a packet of masks in Dunn stores, 15 euro for 20. So that works out at 75 cent per mask so you can shop around when you are getting your masks and you can also get reusable ones obviously that are washed uh, as well and somebody else says hi I'm just wondering I went to a doctor's in Mallow today and got a blood test done I'm on a medical card I was charged 20 euro I don't know whether this is a new uh, cost that has come in or or not or whether it's just some GP practices who haven't been charging it are suddenly charging it because certainly I'll have to check with John Paul in the office but certainly we've been discussing it for quite some time GP practices charging for it it's interesting there for one from Mallow and one from Bandon both getting calls uh, this morning about people not aware that those charges were in place. Yvonne says, Hi Patricia, I'm not sure if this is appropriate for your programme or not, but I was wondering if anybody else has experienced the issue, this issue recently. I had a flight booked with Ryanair for the 20th of March. I got a voucher with a refund pending. They emailed on the 31st of the 5th telling me I would receive my refund back onto my card within five to seven working days. We're now on the 10th day and no refund. I've tried contacting them. I was online for about two hours, still didn't get to speak to anyone. I'm just wondering if anybody else is in the same position kind regards uh, Yvonne. Uh, there's lots of people waiting on uh, refunds Yvonne and they have so many refunds to hand out. I'm surprised that you even got a call or an email to say that they were issuing refunds because initially Ryanair were waiting for the end of the pandemic. I suppose they have started taking bookings so maybe in their mind they're back in business. So that's why they're issuing refunds. I wouldn't be panicking yet. The fact, I know they say five to seven. That will be five to seven working days though. Um, are you still within that on the 31st up to the, the 10th? I wouldn't be panicking yet. I think, you you know, you will 
there is, is still time uh, for that refund to come. I mean, the fact that they've emailed you, you will get the refund, but we'll give it out to see. Has anybody else had an email from Ryanair to say that the refund was going to be back in your bank account? If so, how long did you wait for the refund to come? I can throw in my own top and save any worth on this and tell you I am waiting since the 10th of April for a refund from Aer Lingus and uh, have got nothing back other than I'm getting a refund. And now we're at the 10th of June and I still don't have my money back on, it's about... 600 euro odd I'm waiting back on flights that were booked I was, we were meant to be going away at Easter and obviously we didn't go anywhere so I haven't had that refund back and I'll give it out to see for Aer Lingus because I know there's others because I know when I mentioned about my flights being cancelled at the time we didn't know it was all we didn't know what was happening then lockdown came so we knew we weren't going anywhere and then we didn't know where refunds going to be issued and when were they going to be issued how long were we going to be waiting and then we, I had a host of other people in the same boat with me on Aer Lingus flights and on Ryanair flights all talking about waiting on refunds so let us know please if anybody has received refunds and more importantly how long did you wait for the actual refunds 1850 333 103 and Pat has been on to say hi I rang the NCT trying to get a booking now that they are reopened again they say I have to go online I'm not in a position to go online I have had some of the tests done since February oh yeah this is the people who just need to get the when the lift was broken at the NCT centres Pat saying, what can I do? I can't go online. I've checked in with NCT online for you, Pat, and you have to go online. There is no other way to book a test except online. Their telephone centre, their call centre is open, but you've already contacted them. That's the Dublin number, 4135994. And, and when you ring that number, they will tell you you have to go online. The only way you can make a booking now, you cannot not make a booking on over the phone. You can only make a booking online and you need to pay online as well. It is the only way it can be done. What I would suggest you do, Pat, I don't know. Have you a family member that can go online for you and make the uh, booking? Have you a friend who can do it? Uh, if you don't, I don't know where you're calling from. I don't know what area, if you're in the city or county. What I would suggest if you are in somewhere in the county, you could contact the Cork County Council. You're in the COVID Community Response Group. I'm sure they would be able to help you out. I mean, they've been helping out people with a whole host of different things. They have a free phone number, one 800 805 if you want to contact them and see if they can help you out. That's the COVID community response. Um, other than that, I, I, I can't think of anything else, but there's no way around it at the moment for NCT. Anyone trying to book NCTs have got to go online. That is the only way that it can be done. It's been introduced on a phase basis for Cork. There's only two NCT centres open, the one in Little Island and the one in uh, Blarney. And they're saying for customers of vehicles that were tests, whose test date was due prior to the 28th of March, they're the ones invited to do the bookings. As we know yesterday, somebody whose NCT is up in August tried to make a booking and couldn't. And it turns out that her date has now been pushed forward for December. They've added either three or four months on to everybody's NCT. So even though your 
NCT, you may think it is due on a particular date. There has been, it's either three or four months has been added on to it and of course you can't book them until your NCT is due. But for now, they're looking for people prior to the 28th of March uh, invited to make a booking online and you're going to have to have patience because there's a lot of people already rushing in to, to book so you may be waiting for it. But there's no other way at the moment you used to be able to book over the phone. You cannot book over the phone. You can only book on at line. 1850-333-103. Lines open. C103 Jobs. Childbound are wanted for four children, two to three afternoons per week. It's in the Bandon area. While a full-time kitchen fisher is wanted for an immediate start, it's with drum carpentry, kitchens and wardrobes. Another childbinder wanted, this time a six-month-old baby in the Clonakilty Rath Barry area permanent position four days per week and a qualified mechanic with a good knowledge of mechanics and electrics wanted for the West Cork area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 Irish Water will have to invest millions to upgrade sewage treatment plants along the River Blackwater and its tributaries unless legislation protecting the freshwater pearl mussel is overturned. The issue was discussed at a recent council meeting and joining me to discuss it further, North Cork Councillor uh, Jared Murphy. Good morning to you, Jared. Good morning, Patricia. Now, this is EU legislation. Would it be hard to have this piece of legislation overturned? Uh, basically, the situation was that in 2015, this issue uh, arose originally. At that stage, we identified the problem. And we had discussions at that time with Minister Heather Humphreys, uh, who decided to instruct her department to reopen negotiations with the European Commission. Uh, that was done at the time. And uh, in 2018, uh, it was decided that uh, the main channel need not be protected for the freshwater pearl mussel because of the scientific evidence the Cork County Council produced at that point in time, but that the River Aloe looks like a potential habitat uh, where the freshwater pearl mussel uh, could be saved. And consequence to that, IRD de Holler received uh, a million euros under the LIFE programme uh, to do work on the River Aloe uh, to ensure that the freshwater pearl mussel uh, was protected in that context. Okay. Uh, we all accept that uh, climate change, which is, I understand, linked to biodiversity, is important at this point in time. Uh, but we must be uh, practical and sensible about how we implement it. So if, if, if that happened in, in 2015, what, what then happened to have it overturned? Uh, there was a court case in, on the 5th, I think, of December... Uh, which challenged the methodology that the department used in negotiating with the Commission. Uh, And there must have been some kind of a procedural error uh, by the department at that stage or by the Commission uh, because uh, when it went to court, uh, it wasn't uh, substantially challenged. So that brings us back to square one. We must now uh, get the... Minister, you see, to Manigan, 
to restart negotiations with the Commission. Uh, the main point to be made here is the freshwater peril mussel is a European uh, species to be protected. Uh, the uh, main channel of the Blackwater uh, is the only river in Europe where the main channel is protected uh, for the West freshwater pearl mussel. And uh, are there many of these freshwater pearl mussels in the River Blackwater? Uh, to my knowledge, when we looked at the issue in 2015-16, uh, it was nearly impossible to identify uh, live fresh pearl mussels in the main uh, channel of the Blackwater. It was but, just the River Allo. But the River Allo uh, looked like the uh, best potential uh, way of uh, ensuring that the species survived. Do, uh, pardon my ignorance now on this. What is so special about this freshwater m- pearl mussel? Uh, it, it is part of uh, the biodiversity uh, uh, policy in the European Union, uh, whereby you protect all species. Uh, we have the same situation uh, with the um, um, with the, with other species uh, throughout the country. Where there's the hen harrier, particularly in Western Duhalla, uh, and uh, the logical thing, from my point of view, is uh, we know that we must do something about biodiversity, and we know we must do something about climate change. Uh, but we have a situation in Western Duhalla uh, whereby tens of thousands of acres of land cannot be planted or cannot be used for wind turbines uh, because of the protection of the hen harrier. Uh, it's beyond um, and hasn't been scientifically proven which is the best for climate change. Tens of thousands of acres of trees are, are the protection of a number of pairs of hen harriers. Uh, where we accept that climate change must uh, be dealt with, uh, we must scientifically show uh, that uh, the protection of uh, a particular species. Uh, and you working in this case, you the council has proven that the pearl mussel can be protected, but just in in the River Allo. The situation was that uh, that situation and the evidence presented at uh, this stage was accepted by the European Commission uh, 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 and the ally was identified as where uh, the pearl mussel could be best protected. And then, as you mentioned in your opening, uh, as uh, we uh, put capital investment into treatment plants along the Blackwater, uh, which is going to be hugely expensive and probably cost hundreds of millions of euros, uh, we the the freshwater pearl mussel could again be reintroduced into the main channel of the Blackwater at that stage, mm. but it is not possible, and we're going to have to reach a balance. Our finances are uh, not going to be in serious trouble after the COVID nineteen uh, outbreak, and we're going to have to be reasonable as to how uh, we're going to manage this. There's nobody advocating uh, that we don't do our bit to. Uh, ensured biodiversity and ensured the freshwater pearl mussel, uh, but it must be done gradually uh, uh, because we just, uh, in my opinion, uh, it would take years to upgrade.
upgrade all the plants along the main channel of Blackwater. And are you are you fearful for the future of development because pla- planning? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Obviously, it's going to be blocked. The reality is that more than 100 houses have already been refused in Mallow uh, because uh, of the capacity, first of all, of the... And uh, sewage treatment plant in Mallow. Well, that's uh, at capacity, isn't it, the Mallow one? It's at, cap- at capacity, yeah. but, but Irish Water recognised that, and Irish Water have been for the last number of years uh, drawing up specifications for a new treatment plant that would respect the fact that the Blackwater and the Blackwater Valley as a whole is a special area of conservation, and there are far more species apart from the freshwater pearl mussel, like the, the salmon fisheries, uh, which require uh, uh, special uh, treatment. But that's the treatment that they're getting at the moment is adequate uh, for an SAC. But unfortunately, the freshwater pearl mussel uh, demands a far higher quality of yeah, water. Yeah, it, it only survives in, in, in pristine water. Yes. So, so it would mean additional costs for a new, any new sewage treatment plant, but would it also mean that existing treatment plants would have to be upgraded? It would mean that all uh, treatment plants uh, along the main channel of Blackwater and along all the tributaries feeding into the Blackwater uh, would have to be substantially upgraded. Okay, so you've written to the government. Uh, County Council have uh, again taken this issue on. Uh, they have written to uh, both Simon Coney and Michal Martin, 
because obviously issues like that are going to be pertinent to whatever new government uh, is formed. Uh, and uh, they have explained the difficulty of uh, what this would cause in a huge area. And you must remember the main channel of the Blackwater uh, runs from the Kerry border as far as Yall, and that would be as big as three small counties uh, in the rest of the country. Um, it's a huge area, and if development is prevented in that, it would have massive effects on our county development plan for population distribution, uh, for job creation, uh, and it would also affect the regional plan because uh, those uh, jobs and populations would have to be redistributed into other areas. Uh, so not only would the national planning framework have to be changed, the regional assembly plan would have to be changed, and the county development plan would have to be changed to uh, facilitate that. And, uh, and this is all, uh, Jared, coming at a time when Cork County Council are not exactly awash with money. And uh, after this this crisis, there's going to be nobody awash with money, in a sense. And hopefully they will, the recovery will be fairly swift and we will get back to... But the enormity of upgrading all the plants as, uh, immediately... Uh, would be uh, so expensive that even in normal circumstances uh, it would be very difficult to achieve. Yeah, do you, do you worry about the, the council going forward um, post-COVID-19? Cork uh, County Council uh, is a very vibrant organisation. Uh, what worries me uh, to a certain extent is uh, there is going to be uh, certain limitations on the amount of money is going to be available. Uh, but at the same time, at, for the current situation, our emphasis on, is on uh, our towns and villages to try and get businesses up and running and generate revenue. Rates are a major uh, income source for Cork County Council. And obviously, small businesses particularly uh, are under pressure. There is a moratorium at the moment. Uh, we will have to I look at that very closely. But if our rates revenue is not coming in, it is obviously going to affect a certain amount of services. And I know that, I mean, the council, you very much are behind trying to get the towns back up and running and uh, and businesses and a lot of retail have started uh, to reopen. It's the, the focus now really is on those small local businesses, isn't it, at the moment? The focus from Cork County Council's point of view is to ensure that uh, most businesses open as quickly as possible, most businesses are viable as quickly as possible, and uh, most businesses are able to pay their rates as quickly as possible, so Cork County Council can continue to provide the services that always does. Okay, and and, uh, long may all those businesses uh, continue, but it's so important, and I keep going on about it, we need to shop local, people need to support those local businesses. I genuinely believe that during the COVID crisis that people have come to realise the importance of small local businesses in our towns and villages and uh, particularly the grocery ones that are now has increased substantially during the COVID crisis. If people are committed to doing that, it will help the local economies and the local communities generally. Uh, it will help to maintain 
uh, our school populations, it will help to maintain our shops and our post offices uh, in those rural areas. But uh, we have to stop blaming uh, other people. It's up to local people to support local shops and local industry. Okay, all right. Listen, um, Gerard, uh, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. That is Councillor uh, Gerard Murphy, 1850-333-103. And I mentioned earlier the lady in Castle Core uh, in her 70s who loves poetry and she's looking for old style poetry books. Uh, the poetry that like that you would find in old school books. She was, you know, poetry that rhymes was how she uh, described it. Somebody has given, Mary has sent on a suggestion saying there was two books issued some years ago, if anybody's aware of these, they were produced by somebody called Thomas Walsh. One was favourite poems we learnt in school and then another was favourite hymns we learnt in school. Mary says, I think they are still in local bookshops. They were all the poems that we learnt many, many years ago, says Mary. So if anybody knows of that particular book by a Thomas Walsh, Favourite books we learnt at school and favourite hymns we learnt at school. Does that ring a bell with anyone? And does anybody know are they still available in local bookshops? Because if we could find a book like that and we could point uh, our listener in the direction, it would be great. So thank you for that, uh, Mary. And to Pat, who is trying to book his NCT, normally would book his NCT over the phone, contact them. You can't do it over the phone. You must go online. It is the only way to book your NCT. Actually, somebody is very annoyed about that, saying that the government will need to bring the car testing centres to heel. At the end of the day, they're operating under uh, licence and uh, somebody very annoyed that the NCT is assisting. The only way you can you can go is to book online. Uh, Sheila says anyone could do that booking for that gentleman for Pat, but he really needs to trust somebody. You need people you can trust. Well, as more and more things are moving online uh, we all need to find somebody if you can't do it yourself to find somebody you can trust Sheila says for example my son did my house insurance for me and he was able to do it online but obviously Sheila has a great relationship with her son and she trusts her son and there was no problem uh, at all so if she to pass is to find somebody hopefully ideally a family member who can do that uh, job for him and get his NCT booking done online. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And the listener says when any updates on hairdressers are going to uh, open. We were actually discussing this uh, yesterday on the programme. As of now, under the current road map, hairdressing salons that includes barbers and it includes beauticians, etc. Not due to reopen until the 20th of July. But the Taoiseach today has confirmed that the government is working on plans to forward the reopening of hairdressers. Now, I don't know if it is uh, just hairdressers or is it also going to include beauticians? The spokesperson for Leo Varadkar says that phase three and phase four are currently under review and they're subject to change. So if they, that would mean that hairdressers, pubs and gyms could reopen sooner than scheduled because hairdressers, pubs and gyms are all in the phase 
four. I thought pubs were actually in phase five, which was the 10th of August, which is gone completely. Anyway, the hairdressers is the big one uh, for a lot of people. Phase four at the moment, phase four means it wouldn't open until the 20th of July. But the big push from hairdressers, as we discussed yesterday on the programme, they want to open at the end of this month. They want to reopen at the start of phase three, which will be the 29th of June. So watch this space. The Taoiseach is working on it as we speak. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Keep your gardening questions coming in. Peter Dowdell will join us after half past 12 uh, today. And in the midst of the gardening questions, there was a warning in from a listener. Where's that text gone? Saying, Patricia, would you please let people know that dogs are being robbed all over Cork. A van was stopped in Tipperary just last week and it was full of stolen animals. And and I checked it out and uh, there's no name on that text. Thank you for that text. Um, And I checked out, it was actually five days ago, the Gardaí stopped uh, a van in Tipperary um, and they heard dogs barking in the back of the van and when they opened up the back of the van they found eight dogs to be believed to be worth in the region of €5,000. The van was actually pulled over for speeding on the M8 just outside of Thurles and obviously the dogs now they hadn't been microchipped or anything so they're trying to find out the owners of the dogs. Uh, the dogs are in with an animal local animal shelter in Tipperary at the moment an investigation is ongoing and no arrests though have been made yet. Yet. And Dennis in Drumcolour has contacted us about uh, dogs he had stolen only yesterday. Good, uh, good afternoon to you, Dennis. Hello, Patricia. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm very well, uh, thank you. You're obviously not in a great place today after what happened yesterday to you. You, you went out. You went out yesterday. I went into. New, I'm living beside Drumcolour, Patricia. Okay. And I went to Newcastle for a bucket of paint. And I left a lad at home after me, plastering a wall. And when I came back, I noticed that the dog's kennel doors were open, gates and all. And at that stage, I went to investigate, and there was 14 dogs gone. What kind of dogs? There were King Cavalier, King Charles's, Bichon Frees, Cavachon Pops, a Jack Russell female with her three pups and another Jack Russell with two pups. You're obviously a dog breeder. I am. I have been at it for years, Patricia. And all of the dogs gone? Not all of them. Anything that was available went. I have a few left, but the available ones are all gone. So they knew what they were looking for? They definitely did, Patricia. Now, the guy plastering the wall, did he see anything? He did. He saw the cow passing down into the farmyard and they gave one tip of the horn in the farmyard and of course I didn't appear when I wasn't there and they proceeded and loaded the dogs and he said they were gone within five minutes. How much did he see? Uh, did you have details of the car? Yes, he has the details and we have the photograph of the car but not the number plate. And what kind of a car was it? A black Audi, uh, Audi type car. And how many in the car? We're not sure of that. We think there had to be three. 
They said they were able to clean 14 dolls in the space of a few minutes. Yeah, they knew they knew they knew what they were looking for and they knew what they were doing. Exactly. Do you think you were being watched? Uh, I'd be truthful and I know I am on the air. Two lads came and booked two pubs one day that night at around 11 o'clock that was racket and a cavalier bitch was taken. So I secured the dog's kennels for the night and made it very secure but they arrived this time in the middle of the day at 12 o'clock. Oh, did you get, you reported to the guardie, obviously. I reported it because you showed him a quarter of an hour of it happening. And what did the guardie say? They were out and in fairness to them, they, they looked at different cameras and they're still working on it. But these are, I mean, this is organised. I mean, and, and, and that group who were caught in Tipperary because they had a collection of, it was pups as well. It was, let me see what it was. It was a lurcher, beetles and a border collie, but there was pups uh, taken as, as well. They're, they're shipping them to England. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that what they're doing with them? That's, uh, they're either going to the north and or else going to the port. That's the way that I'm told by yeah. the guardies. And were any of your dogs microchipped? Yes, some of them were microchipped. Some of the pups were as little as a week old. Oh, they nice. were taken. And had you had you buyers for all of those dogs? Every one of them was already booked, Patricia. Oh my God. So you to con- have you contact you to contact all the people, have you? I haven't done it yet, and I haven't the much to do it a while. Will you, con- will, you, will you continue breeding dogs? No, definitely not, Patricia. I'm sick of it now at this stage. And I I loved them. I met it in 1969. And I'm fairly fed up to you. I know, I know. Yeah. But no, I wouldn't do it anymore because they could come back again and put me through the same hassle again, you know. I will not breed anymore on the continent. And you're a small dog breeder. You're not one of these large puppy farms. You're you're somebody no. who loves the dogs, looks after the dogs, and then to, for this to happen to you. Yeah. And what I loved mainly about it was children coming in picking out their pups. I loved it. I know. I loved it. But um, that day has gone. But no, I tell you straight out now to a friend of mine and they scared. They told me to contact you. And we're mainly doing it to tip off other people that they are not safe even by day. I know. And uh, the crowd that do the fingerprints were out with me last night and they said there's no robbery by night now. They're all by day. That's the point I'm trying to get across to your listeners. And there, I mean, and like there was nothing else you could do to keep your dog secure. You'd done everything that you felt you could do. Well, I had him well locked up for the night, but naturally you have to give him air during the day. Yeah. During the day and open half doors and let him out in the run and things. And I thought with a man in the yard plastering that I was safe out. And he's a, he's a lovely lad now. He's a local lad. because he was watching his work and didn't take much notice of the car passing. But the brazenness, even with the young lad there plastering, the brazenness of it. Oh, the, yeah. They're, they're yeah. ruthless. They're ruthless now. Ruthless. And they'll make money. They'll make money oh. out of those dogs. 
people in the garden, I said, had a chat about it yesterday evening, and we valued that much at a thousand minimum. That was minimum, though. And that's why people have to be so careful when they're buying dogs to find out. You know, when somebody bought a dog from you in the past, uh, Dennis, they would would be in your yard. They'd see where the dogs had been bred. They see the the mothers, the dogs with their mothers, which we're always telling people to do. But this idea of answering an ad in a paper and meeting somebody in the car park of a supermarket and you're handed over a dog, you've got to get suspicious about where that dog came from. Dead right. You're dead on there, Patricia. That is very important. Very, very important. But that's you now finished finished with the, the dog breeding. Definitely, Patricia. Definitely. Not what the hassle of going through this ordeal again. Okay. And in and what time yesterday did this happen? Twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock. Okay. So yeah. about this time yesterday, if anybody was out and about and we don't know what direction they left your place in Drumcolour, we don't know what direction they headed off in. Well, they came to my place from one side. They have them on the cameras for that. And they left going the opposite direction. So what area, so what way did they come from? They came from the Phoenix and Media area. They left by the Drumcolor area. Okay. If, any, if anybody spotted that car uh, yesterday, a black Audi, there may have been uh, three people at least uh, in the car. All right. Listen, uh, Donny, uh, look after yourself. Thank you know, you very much, you're, you're safe and, just, and okay, and that's the main thing. And then, thank God, and just warn your listeners to yeah. be ever so careful just now. Okay, look after yourself. Thanks a minute. Take care. Thanks. God bless. Bye bye. bye, bye. bye. Uh, Earl Dennis in Drumcolor, and he sounds like just the kind of dog breeder that we are been encouraging people to go when you want to get your pup, go to somebody like Dennis. And it's a sad day for Dennis. He's finished with it. He's he's had enough, and shame on those people stealing those dogs. Just shameful but again we all have a role to play be careful where you're buying your, your dogs from 1850 can I just give you a couple of uh, comments that we've in about NCTs I've got two in that I want to bring you where's the first one um, hi Patricia this is on okay this is to do with if you go to book you've got to book your NCT online you can't do it over the phone you have to do it on uh, line uh, NCTs have been extended now I need to get John Paul to check is about three months or by four months uh, because when all the NCT centres closed and obviously NCTs went out of date so everyone was told you have an extension on your NCT and not to panic now we know that the NCT has reopened since last Monday and we know there is a limited number of NCT centres open. For example, here in Cork, we've only two NCT centres open, the one in Little Island and the one in Blarney. And the NCT are telling us that the customers whose vehicles ha- had a test due prior to the 28th of March 2020 are now invited to make a booking. So anybody after that told hold off. So it means there's a lot of people driving around and they're, the disc up on the car is out of date, obviously. Nothing they could do about it. They couldn't get a new NCT. So the people pre-28th of March are going off to get their, their testing done. Listener said, hi, I tried to book my son's NCT. It was due on the 6th of June. When I put in the registration number, it came up as October. OK, so this is somebody, 6th of June. June, July, August, September, October. It's four months, yeah. And just that was the, that's OK, John Paul. That was the clar- clarification I was looking for. So everybody's NCT, four months has been added onto it. So, um, so this listener said, tried to book it in. It was, it, it came up as 
6th of October instead and to book one for then they so they've obviously extended uh, the cover the back there is a backlog which is fine the problem is I was stopped at a checkpoint this morning in Tower and the Gardaí asked me about the NCT being out of date and I mentioned tried to book the NCT has been uh, extended and there's an extra four months has been put onto it with that the Gardaí who stopped me said they knew nothing about that and said you need to book a new one and put the date of the booking up on the windscreen. There's no communication and some Gardaí uh, but my fear is that some Gardaí will pick up a young guy in a car and he won't be able to explain about the NCT and he could get the person into, into trouble. Surely the Gardaí should know about the NCT uh, extension. It seems absolutely ridiculous. I was, were you just unlucky with the Garda that you got? I mean, we've been talking about the extension on the NCT. It's been all over, uh, all over the newspaper. And I'm wondering when you went in and weren't able to book for the 6th of June, did, w- I assume you weren't allowed to book for October either. So therefore you can't even have a new date and put it up on the windscreen. We're going to have to get that checked with NCT as to what you do if you're stopped by the Gardaí. And then a listener did manage, Teresa did manage to get in and have her car tested yesterday. But listen to Teresa's dilemma. Hi, I attended for NCT yesterday. It was pending for March. I had one repair, which was a visual. So no fee was to apply. Online booking insists on taking car details. You can't do the booking unless you put in your car details, which obviously I gave at the at the end of the booking. It printed off €55, Euro, which would be due on the day of the test. Wasn't really worried about that, says Teresa, as I had all the documentation to prove the status of my test and that it was only a visual and there was no fee for a visual. At the NCT reception yesterday, I was told my vehicle would have to be put through the full test. I argued my case to no avail, except that they said that they will give me the full test for the price of the retest, which I shouldn't have been paying anything. I had no choice but to pay. My vehicle passed on the previous visual, but it showed up another problem, a brushing problem. So I have to now present my vehicle one more time with another fee of €28. I assume certification will be from the 1st of April regardless. This would not have happened if I'd been able to arrange to the call centre. My advice is beware, maybe wait for the call centres to open. And as we know at the moment, the call centres are are, are open, but it's just for queries. You can't book through the call centre. That is really, really unfortunate. Uh, and I don't know how long. I, I can't find out when they expect the call centres to reopen. All I know is, I wonder, Teresa, should you give a ring? Should you? Now, you're going to have to have a little bit of patience because there is a call. The call centre is dealing with queries. I think you should put a call through to the call centre. Have patience. You may be holding. I know Bernie yesterday rang them for me and she was 20 minutes uh, waiting to get through. They're open from 9am to 4 on 01413 I think think you should put a call through and argue your case and, and see how you get on because that is really, really unfortunate. But at the moment, the call centre is only dealing with in- inquiries. I, I do think you have a, a genuine inquiry and they're not accepting uh, booking. But just beware, beware on that one. Uh, and thank you, Teresa. And if you do 
decide to put the call through, let us know how you got on. 1850 Mary wants to know, will our bingo ever come back anymore? The bingo was still down for the 10th of August, even though there's a query mark over the 10th of August being phase five. And does phase five actually exist? And does will everything go back to phase four, which is the 20th of July? So as of now, it's still down for the 10th of August, Mary. But they seem to be changing things a lot and they're moving things from one phase to the other phase. So you may be OK. So hold off uh, on that. 1850-333-103. Eamon and Cove says, Patricia, could I encourage all your listeners to contact their local TDs to support the idea of a massively increased free flu vaccine later this year? I think it's an excellent idea and it needs to be supported and encouraged. It would take pressure off the health system next winter, even if there isn't a second or third wave of COVID-19, if everyone, if there was a free flu vaccine for all. I know they're introducing a free flu vaccine for everybody in the asterisk groups, that, which has always been there, but they're also introducing it for children this year. But can I say to you, Eamon, in Cove, and uh, this is a, a kind of a glimmer of good news. When flu, the flu season starts in Australia, obviously, because their winter is, is ahead of ours and then it moves, you know, as we head through our summer, they head through their winter and then we head into our autumn and into our winter. And the whole world looks at Australia for the flu season every year to see what kind of a flu epidemic is is out there and what kind of a flu virus is doing the rounds and then you know modellings for vaccines are based on that but we also can take words of warning from Australia like for example last year the flu season kicked in earlier in their winter so we got a warning a heads up on that and that's exactly what happened when it moved over to Europe and it was the same they got a second wave in Australia in their winter months and we got the very same here as well the news coming out of Australia because they are just going into their winter is they're seeing very little flu virus this year and they reckon that it's down to the social distancing and the hand hygiene and the cough etiquette Uh, now it's early into their flu season but as of yet they're seeing very little So I take comfort from that, that maybe because obviously when we head into the winter months, we're going to be continuing social distancing. We're going to be continuing the good cough etiquette and the the hand hygiene. And so maybe, maybe we'll be able to get rid of the or we'll have a much lesser flu strain this year and a much you know le- lesser number of people coming down with it so we'll keep an eye on Australia on that one for sure 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie And the gag and used clothes collection will continue next Monday the 15th and the following Monday the 22nd between 7 and 9 at Gagan Hall All proceeds are in aid of the Gagan Hall Car Park and Kilbrin Parish they've got their collection of perishable goods and baking for Cork Penny Dinners it's happening next Sunday monetary donations are also very welcome if you'd like to donate please drop off your home baking and perishable goods to Kilbrin GAA Clubhouse between 10am and 1pm next uh, Sunday and the Galtee Walk in aid of the MS Society will take place virtually this year and it'll happen on Sunday the 20th 24th of June and you can find out more uh, and it'll be a live event but you can find out more on the Galtee Walk Facebook page. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. 
Now, many frontline workers are making huge sacrifices throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. And this morning, we are speaking with one of them. It is Douglas Kavanagh. Douglas is a driver with Bumbulance, which is the ambulance service designed especially for children. And he joins me from his home in uh, Cove. Uh, Good morning to you, Douglas. Good morning. How are things? I'm I'm very well. Uh, You're known as Dougie to your friends. Do you prefer if I address you as Dougie? Well, the only person calls me Douglas is the bank manager and my mother. So anybody can call. Them. I call you a dog, a doggy then. Okay. Now, when, when you're when you're when you're out and about, particularly during this COVID nineteen uh, pandemic, doggy, it, it's one of your real fears bringing COVID nineteen home with you and bringing it back into your loved ones at home. Well, it is a fear, but believe it or not, it's more of a fear to bring it to the children that we transport. Because the children we transport, uh, 90% of them literally do not have an immune system. So I'm more of a threat to them than my actual family because, you know, my family are kind of grown up where these are young children. And and the children uh, you work with contracting COVID-19 would and could be fatal? It would be, yes. Like most of them, you know, they literally have suppressed immune systems. Some of the children have actually no immune systems. So I would be more of a threat to them. So I'm actually in a good environment where the people I'm dealing with are really self-isolating. And so I'm more safe from they're safer than I would be, if you understand what I'm trying to say. So therefore, are you then have to do everything in your power to keep yourself safe so that you don't pass it on? That's correct, yeah. Like, I've kind of cocooned myself apart from my family side of the fence. You know, I stayed away from everything bar, you know, your usual quick run into the shop. Social distance, I really had to do it for the sake of the job. So does it make it ang- does it make you angry when you hear about house parties and people just not really taking COVID nineteen seriously? I wouldn't say it makes me angry. I'd say it may- it's kind of uh, you see. I'd be looking at it over a different concept. Is the fact is I'm kind of a believer. If it hasn't affected your family, you don't really understand it at the start. Everybody would have been really afraid, and then it comes to a stage where well, it's not happening in their environment, in their homes. And they're actually now going to these parties unaware that there's a possibility they could bring it into their home environment. You know, so being saying angry would be kind of, you know, a bit of a harsh word. I think it's a bit of lack of real understanding of the whole situation. Stupidity? Um, I hate to use the word stupidity because we all can be stupid at times, you know. I'm married 33 years tomorrow. Congratulations. Was that stupidity? Was that stupidity? <laughs> no, not, not, not at least. But like, Dougie, there's so much information out there. It's it's frustrating sometimes to hear of people just being so complacent about the whole thing and just because, as you say, hasn't hit on their doorstep or if they do get it sure it'll be a cold or a flu and I'll be fine but they forget about the very vulnerable like the the, the kids you're talking about well that's it like their attitude is oh I'll get it I'll be fine I'll have a bad flu or a bad cold or whatever it may be 
but it's who they affect from that bad cold and bad flu. You know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm fine, pull up the, you know, lift up the ladder, Jake, I'm grand. It, you know, it is a big concept out there, but it's who, who they actually affect. Like, the families that I deal with, like, they have cocooned themselves, and not only they have siblings who would be teenagers, and they've literally done it for the sake of their family. You know, so, you know, it, it, it's a very hard thing to say when if it, when it hasn't affected these people, you know, it's come to the stage now that they, uh, you know, they are being kind of stupid in the fact that they're thinking it's not going to affect them now, but they haven't been affected because of the way we have been. Mm. And we're all in this together. That's the only way we're, we're, we're going to get to get out of it. Um, how long have you been working with Bumble and Stuggy? Well, I'm new to Bumlins. I only okay. started with Bumlins in July of last year. I came from the National Ambulance Service. I was frontline. You know, uh, I'm a paramedic. I was a paramedic with the National Ambulance Service, and I just moved over to Bumlins July of last year for a more rewarding job. Is it? Is it very different? Oh, it's it's different and similar. It's different in the way you're dealing with you know young children all the time. But I'm not going to houses to bad situations anymore. Yeah, you know. Is it? Like, but but it's it's a tough job. I mean, a fun job, but a tough job. I mean, I'm assuming you face great sadness at times. Well, the sad, like you do, but it's a kind of a different situation where, if frontline, you turn up to something that happens, you have to deal with the situation and the family with the emergency service. With ourselves, the family have gone through the grieving process and the best way to explain it is like they have to deal with the situation. So they actually become more, you know, even though they're aware of it, the, the, the severity of it, they try to make it as fun as possible. Mm. And, and, some of the kids, and some of the kids you meet, yeah. they're, they're, they're hilarious. The conditions they have. And how Very, different? How different is a ambulance to to an ordinary ambulance? Well, the different. Well, basically, we're very similar in the aspect we're an ambulance situation, but we try and you know make the ambulance that it doesn't it look like an ambulance, so it's not a scary environment. And the concept of it, who was created by Mary and Tony Heffron, like. Their concept was to create an ambulance and a playroom and put two of them together. So on board the vehicles, we have televisions, we have playstations, we have books, we have iPods, or iPads, I should say, and we have fun and colouring books and stuff like that. So we try to make it a funny and less scary environment mm. than an actual uh, ambulance as the concept of ambulance that people know of, you know, that sterile white environment we try to make it more pleasant more fun and have idiots like me driving (laughs) you sound like exactly the kind of guy we need driving the bumblance for sure how busy have you been during the pandemic well we've been quite busy not as busy as we would normally be because a lot of the appointments have uh, just the normal appointments that children would be going to have been postponed or cancelled at the time but we have been busy because the children still like we still have to bring our children to the chemotherapy for blood infusions 
some children have rods in the spines that have to be extended as they grow and mature. So we still are doing all that type of work, but some of the work that we normally do has gone down, but it is now starting to, to pick up back. again. It is starting to pick up, yes. And the the angel trips, Doggy? Yes. Uh, well, we do three services at the end of the day. Like We have three services where we have a crude service where we have vehicles with the National Ambulance Service and they transport the very, very sick children. Then we have a driver-only service, which is what basically we do on a day-to-day basis where the children are basically looked after by the parents. And then we have the angel run. Now, the angel run basically is when a child's brought home for the last time. Wow. Yeah. That's tough. Uh, yes. Yeah, and much appreciated, uh, and much appreciated by the families, though. Yeah, well, you see, you've got to look at the size of uh, Put the family in a car to drive home in that environment. You know, it's 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 not good for them. So we're able to give the service where they don't have to think about anything. We get them home. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing service. It's an amazing service. And fundraising. Uh, um, Douglas, how, uh, I mean, hugely affected. Everything's been affected. All fundraising has been affected by, I mean, all of your, the annual things that Bumblings would do. That's all gone, I take it, this year, is it? Well, well, all our basic fundraising, except we're like we've had to switch to doing online. Now, we're not one of the big charities out there where, you know, we have other sources of income. We're totally reliant on fundraising. Like, we have no other income other than fundraising. And we give the service for totally free. So, what we, you know, to keep us on the road, it's approximately, with the vehicles on the road running, it's about 25000 a month on diesel fuel. So, we've got to come up with that somewhere. So, we're trying all uh, new ways of trying to get, um, you know, we're trying to be, innovative, if, for the want of a better word, to actually find different ways of fundraising to keep us on the road. And, you know, it, we are, as I say, 100% fundraise. Yeah, yeah, we you're a charity. We we're you're a charity. charity. So we, don't get any, we don't get any government substitutes at all. And we offer this service totally for free of charge. Well so if anybody has a spare few bob want to donate, it is www.bumbalance.com. Doggy, stay safe, look after yourself and look after those gorgeous children that I know you do on a daily basis. And uh, congratulations once again on the wedding anniversary tomorrow. We hope you get to celebrate. I'll probably okay. be dead now after the comments. <laughs> you mind yourself, OK? Take care. Take care. Bye okay, bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Dougie Kavner uh, from Cove, uh, one of the our frontline workers, a driver with the Bumblings. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Peter Dowdle joins us, the Irish to answer all your gardening questions. Good afternoon to you, Peter. 
I'm, I'm hopefully joining you, Trish. Hopefully you can hear yeah, me now. Absolutely, clear. and it is crystal clear. Okay, let me get straight Good. into questions because there is so many questions in. Hi, Peter. How can I get rid of green fly from my red robin? Green, well, things like green fly, if it's not a huge infestation, my, my first course of action, Trish, would be actually just to prune them out or, or go at them with the hole. Well, of course, we're not allowed to use hoses right at the moment, but um, like soapy water, just throw them at it. Uh, but like if it's only a small infestation if it's only on a few shoots just go with the secretaries and prune off those few shoots and that takes green fly and all and straight into the compost bin and they'll fly away um, if it's a larger infestation uh, it, it all goes back to the natural balance I know that may, may not be the answer they want but you know if we can encourage the predators to be in the garden they will make sure that we don't have the green fly so if you have a healthy supply of their predators which in this case is ladybirds amongst others wasps as well which we don't want a healthy supply of wasps in the garden but predators like ladybirds so the less chemicals we use the more we'll build up the natural predators so if you can at all do it uh, using cultural control or physical control which is pruning it off uh, or going at it with the hose that we're not allowed to use at the moment uh, that is the best course of action. It, you could uh, apply a garlic wash onto the the the, the red robin, Trish. Now we've spoken about this many times in your program. What you do is you pulp up some cloves of garlic in with a liter of of boiling water. Google the recipe because there's several dif- different recipes or different strengths. So you you basically pulp up garlic with a, a liter of boiling water in a bucket uh, outside, let it sit for a day or two, and then you dilute that mixture with water and spray it on to, to any plant at all, edible or ornamental. And that will deter a huge range of pests like green fly, black fly, white fly, uh, even to a degree slugs and snails. But that's a, that's a great thing to use to prevent them uh, attacking in the first place. But even in this instance where they have attacked, uh, I, w- I would go that course of action. If you want to go and get an insecticide, I would use it as a last, absolute last course of action and only an organic one, something containing, uh, containing pyrol. Um, and and leave leave the nasty chemicals aside because they're just doing far too much damage to other wildlife. Okay, question for Peter: Where can I get the Nature Safe Atlantic Seaweed Liquid Feed for a weak laurel hedge? You mentioned it on your show last week, uh, and I'm struggling as to where I can buy it. It doesn't say where that caller is. Does, no. Does it? No, because it okay. came in on a WhatsApp. Yeah, I have. I've mentioned it a few times in your program, and I've been mentioning it on my my Facebook page to people, and I'm getting fantastic feedback from people who are using it. I use it myself and have been now for quite a while. It's an Irish product, an organic product, and it's absolutely an excellent plant food, in my opinion, to give everything a lift and to give a general boost. Uh, it should be widely available. Obviously, I don't know where the caller is, so I can't say specifically, but. Um, it's a Hygieia product, which is a Galway company, and I know that they supply, um, for example, Bandon Co-op um, in Kinsale and in Bandon. They supply, I know, Hanley's up in Cork. I'm sure they supply most garden centres, I would have thought. Dairy Gold stores, they supply Dairy Gold. So I know if you go into Dairy Gold or Band- any of the Bandon Co-ops, uh, you should be able to get it in any one of them. Uh, and independent garden centres it's available to everyone it's an Irish company so if go in and ask for it they should be able to get it Okay Helen has a tree fern that she only waters she hasn't been feeding it she puts a fleece on the crown on it during frosty weather some of the branches are slightly brown should I cut them off and should I feed it if so with what? Yes and no so yes to pruning off the brown bits that's totally natural uh, no to feeding indeed no feeding whatsoever Um Tree ferns will feed through or will, will take in water, absorb moisture through their the stem. You know, that they're fantastic looking structural trees. Um, that's what's called a false stem, that, that brown stem that makes them into a tree. And that absorbs the water from the atmosphere. They don't actually have a root system as such. Um, 
So no need to feed them. But what happens with with trees like uh, tree ferns, cord lines are another one with a false stem, and there are more. What you do is every year the bottom leaves, you pro- you've protected, she's protected correctly the crown with the fleece to, to prevent any frost getting at it. But it's from that crown that these beautiful new fronds emerge, Trish, and we've all seen them as they kind of unfurl in their, their splendor and kind of during the spring and early summer. So they're the, they're the fronds that we'll be concentrating on for this year. And then last year's fronds, totally naturally, will die off. So yeah, you prune them back. They're the ones that are going brown now. So you prune them back. You cut them back into the stem, if you like. Uh, and if you look at that stem all the way down, you'll see the prunings of previous years. Every fond, year, and that's yeah. actually what makes up the stem. So I ha- yeah, I cut, have cut, one, cut off the brown ones and I, don't feed it. I have one, and it is my pride and glory. I, I just, I love my tree fern. I think, I think they're they're fabulous. I've seen it in your photographs. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, I'm are. very proud of it. Okay, hi Peter. When is the right time for lifting bluebells and planting them? That's from Tim in West Cork. Bluebells. Okay, f- well. Planting them is in the autumn, so you plant them in the autumn. And in a, in a blatant plug for my own web store, I will be selling bluebells very, very soon. Actually, we're doing pre pre season orders for autumn delivery on all spring bulbs at theirishgardener dot com. In a very blatant plug, Trish. <laughs> but um, uh, I know I'll have them, and they're Irish grown. They're, they're English bluebells, which is the common name as opposed to Spanish bluebells. But these are Irish grown from a, a farm in Waterford, and I used them last year and sold a few of them last year, and they are absolutely fantastic bulbs. So I. I'll have them available to order soon on the irishgardener.com for delivery in kind of September, October, which is obviously the right time to plant them. Okay, El Marie, uh, question for Peter, please. Could I move a hellebore argotifolius? It's falling out onto my lawn, thanking you. You can move it, El Marie, yes, but now is not the time. Now isn't really the time to move anything because everything is inactive growth at the moment. We're in midsummer, even though it may not feel like it looking out the door today. Um, but you can move it, but the time to move it is kind of November onwards. So November, December, January, February, that's your window really to move it. Uh, but yeah, it, it will move quite successfully. If it's falling out onto the lawn now, feel free to cut back any of the foliage or any of the flower stems that are falling out. It's not going to harm the plant. So if it's annoying you or if it's in, getting in the way, cut it back by all means, but don't don't think about moving it yet. Hi, Peter. What is the best way to get any type of hedge cuttings to root? I've tried for months to get them to grow. All of them have failed. Well, if you've been trying for months up to now, that could be the answer, I'm afraid, because the last six months is the wrong time to do it. So, Aha, so that may that well be the answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, It's the next few months, actually. So don't give up. It, it's like the fellow, my father, God rest him, used to always quote a comedian story about, I can't remember exactly how it went, but there was this inventor who, who was inventing a soft drink and he so he invented one called one one up and it never took off and he did two up three up four up and he went all the way to six up and he said now nah, this isn't going to take off and then he and did then, of course seven up <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't somebody else did <laughs> so anyway with, with with your hedge cuttings don't give up now because actually this month and next month or the probably next month July is the best time to do it uh, so you've come this far so yeah with with laurel and grisolini and any of the easier to root hedging plants uh, take what's called an internodal cutting or a nodal cutting so you you, you cut the the top let's say six inches of this year's growth so the the extremities of the stem uh green growth cut it at a node which is quite simply the point where the stem meets the leaf that's where you'll get the the highest uh, amount of auxins which are the hormone to promote to promote uh, rooting so cut it at the node remove the bottom few leaves leaving just one one or two leaves at the top of each cutting into a bit of rooting powder into compost uh keep keep you could do it outside during june july and august and keep them quite damp not overly not saturated but just just moist soil uh, and they should, at that point, root away quite easily for you. So don't give up now. OK, hang in there. All right, uh, unfortunately, we're out on time. Um, are you busy in the garden? You are? Or are you... 
Sorry, I lost you there, Trish. I said, I said, are you busy in the garden at the moment? It's a busy time for you. It's just, you know, when the whole world is, is, is at home gardening, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty nuts busy at the moment, thank God. Uh, yeah, it's, it's for everybody's out gardening and it's a busy time. It is a busy time because it's, the garden is running at full tilt at the moment. And of course, everybody's getting this glorious opportunity uh, to, to appreciate the, the garden and to appreciate the natural world. That's for those of us, obviously, who haven't been touched by this dreadful disease. Yeah, and it is great. And the weather's been good as well. Okay, we've got to leave it there. We'll talk next week, Peter. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks thank you, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. That is Peter Dowdle at the theirishgardener.com. Uh, okay, that's where I have to leave it uh, for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls. Thank you. We had a huge amount of calls and texts and WhatsApps today. We really uh, appreciate all your interaction with the programme. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.